Chapter 10.1 Oligarchy Sudi, Seraph, and the Morpheus Simulacrum have disappeared. Halborn continues his stubborn search. The machines turn him over to the Cypherites, who lead him to the spot. In the reel where EPN is handing the recovered lock over to Zion. Halborn flees the large hovercraft battle that ensues, but his ship was noticed by Zion, who, with EPN, defeat the opposing ships, and take lock to their new city. Following a chance remark by Halborn. The Merovingian, using the general and his sentinels, locates a no-fly area far to the northwest of the machine city, avoided by machine patrols, where they find a heavily defended facility. And a data feed from a massive oligarch network, Zion and Carline succeed in surprising Halborn and removing him from the simulation. Cryptus begins research on anti-override codes. Carline leaves the Matrix. Although he terminated the Oracle, his last apparent hope for retrieving the program he craves, Halborn remained inside the Matrix. The machines asked him to leave, but he refused, hinting that he had a new plan in mind. Meanwhile, Carline met with Zion, declaring that he was working on a more direct means of removing Halborn. Flood ran Merovingian operatives through a review of the Oracle's actions leading up to her termination, concluding that she orchestrated recent events in order to achieve something relating to either to the program Halborn seeks, or to the intruders themselves. A small group of Zion operatives led by Deaf Dog rescued two exiles, Palorina and the Evaluator, from an exile gang that had kidnapped them. Machine operatives defended the Zaitso program from EPN and Merovingians, and succeeded in retrieving information from it relating to a series of mysterious image fragments. Zaitso was then sent back to Officer Simlo for repairs. Bukami and a band of Merovingian operatives hunted for Seraph. Sudi, and the Morpheus Simulacrum in Mara and Westview, but found their usual haunts abandoned. Finally, at the abandoned subway, they found the exiled monitoring program Lo Ruhama, who spoke of other worlds beyond the Matrix before vanishing herself. Pluribus Neo-Operatives found Halborn attacking Carline in a building downtown. Operatives restrained Halborn while Carline escaped. Frustrated by a barrage of hindering attacks from the operatives, Halborn retreated. Afterwards, Carline told EPN that Halborn had tried to run a trace program through his RSI, and thanked them for intervening. The architect had a group of machine operatives brought to the Oracle's apartment, where he questioned them about their outlook on the current situation. The operatives had many questions as to what could be done to solve the threat post by the intruders, particularly Halborn, but the architect did not respond to these directly. He did remark that Halborn's predicament was the result of a choice Halborn had made a long time ago, overlooking the long-term drawbacks in favor of immediate benefits, a typically human decision. Halborn attacked one of Zion's broadcast control clusters in the Matrix for reasons that were not immediately clear. Carline mentioned that Halborn is probably trying to shut him down by attacking his hovercraft. Carline met with Agent Payson machinists, telling them that once Halborn was removed from the Matrix, 
He'd see to it that Halborn's access was restricted by the oligarchs. The machines moved on to investigate the encrypted codes the Oracle gave to the Cypherites and E. Pluribus Neo. Vale said that the Cypherites hadn't been able to crack the encryption, but that they were keeping the file safe outside of the Matrix. Subterfuge by Agent Grey and machine operatives led Agent Grey to determine that Pluribus Neo were likely to be keeping their encrypted file at their base in Zion's old city. The surly Halborn agreed to meet the Merovingian, but refused to discuss his goals, or the program he's been looking for, citing a concern that Carline might find a way to use such information against him. Halborn went on to say that he could get rid of Carline if he could find his ship. He also mentioned a location 800 miles away to the northwest, in relation to Carline. Halborn attacked a Pluribus Neo stronghold in the slums, but was repulsed by operatives, although not until he had damaged the file system on the servers there. The machines launched a small sentinel attack on EPN's base in Old Zion, in tandem with an attack on a high-ranking EPN hovercraft. Operatives within the Matrix delayed contact between the assailed crew and the kit, preserving the attack's element of surprise, and allowing sentinels to capture the craft. Data returned by the Sentinels from the base and the captured ship indicated reinforced defenses at the Old City, but a high probability that Pluribus Neo did not maintain a central mainframe there. E. Pluribus Neo located and held Halborn while Carline tried to run a trace of his own through Halborn, but Halborn had already equipped himself with a countermeasure to the trace routine. Carline said that there were other methods he could try. Having heard rumors of Commander Locke's imminent recovery with EPN from injuries sustained during the machine and cypherite attack that destroyed Zion's old mainframe, Vale led an attack on an EPN hideout, trying to crack their computers to search for more information about Locke. A counter-attack by Shimada and EPN operatives foiled the cypherite plan, despite Vale's defeat of Shimada during the pitched battle. The Merovingian and his operatives captured machine mapping data on the area Halborn had referred to, 800 miles northwest of the machine city. The data showed that the mountainous region there was avoided by machine patrols. At Niobe's insistence, Carline gave Zion rough descriptions of the advanced ships used by himself and Halborn. Zion captured information from the machine surveillance database that seemed to confirm the descriptions given by Carline, the database also contained a record of a ship like Carline's that was present at the machine city over two years ago. Halborn demanded the location of Carline's ship from the machines, but they told him their ability to give out such information was restricted, and suggested that he check with the Cypherites, they, specifically. Vale told Halborn that she had some interesting things to show him in the reel. The Merovingian and the General determined that the area to which Halborn had referred, 800 miles northwest of the machine city, was classified as a no-fly zone by the machines, and avoided by their sentinel patrols. Although other patrols were blocking the General's route to the area, Merovingian operatives attempting to disrupt machine sentinel control routines found that command protocols given them by the General no longer worked, but the general obtained updated data by capturing a machine sentinel, allowing operatives to disable the machine systems long enough for the general to make his way past their patrols, and continue on his way to the blackout zone. When sentinel attacks still proved a hindrance to his progress, operatives got a commando, Lieutenant Petrov, through to a machine mainframe, where he uploaded his own program into a machine sentinel, buying the general time by attacking the other machines in that sentinel's squadron. 
Cypherides, assisted by a spy named Felicia, decimated the crew of the hovercraft commanded by Zion's Captain Suda, and captured data that Vale turned over to Halborn. Halborn very pointedly did not invite them along, but Vale intimated that the Cypherites would be flying somewhere with Halborn in the reel. A further attempt by Merovingian exiles to disrupt machine sentinel routines was overcome by a quick response from machine operatives, who wiped out the exile group, found in the vicinity of Penthurst Amaranth Plaza, then rallied Merovingian operatives, and defeated most of the machine programs remaining in the area, but faced stiff resistance from the machinists, and was even forced to reconstruct by the Cypherite operative St. Daniel. Halborn attacked the Zionite hovercraft in the reel. One of their crew members, Ramin, managed to jack into the Matrix, where he contacted Zion operatives. With assistance from Ghost, Halborn was called into the Matrix on the pretext that the machines had agreed to give him the program he wanted. Disguised Zionite operatives stalled Halborn long enough for Ramin's crippled hovercraft to reach safety. Cold hurried through the city's bars and clubs, apparently looking for his ship's mechanic. Despite help from operatives, he was unable to locate his Primate, and jacked out after complaining about Commander Locke, and the loss of his old Primate, Mauser. Shortly thereafter, EPM and Zion Hovercraft transferring Locke from the EPM base in Zion's old city to New Zion were attacked by Machine, Scytheride, and Merovingian fleets. After a prolonged battle, the transfer of Commander Locke from EPN Captain Steel's The Hand of God to Zion Captain Redbindy's The Titan was completed successfully, and New Zion prepared to welcome their old commander to the city. Halborn destroyed a Zionite hovercraft that was following his ship, the crew had tried luring Halborn into scan range at Carline's suggestion. Although the crew were killed, Carline said that the partial information they'd returned might help him finish the program he'd been working on to eliminate Halborn. Halborn, angry at finding himself in the middle of a large hovercraft battle after following coordinates given him by Scytherites, demanded to see the machines again, but the machines did not meet with him. Halborn took his anger out on Scytherites inside the Matrix, and muttered about operatives being manipulated by someone who knows all about the program he's after. Machine programs pursued Merovingian operatives and commandos, seeking to prevent further Merovingian interference with Sentinel systems. Although the machine programs were eliminated in part by taking advantage of one of Halborn's accelerator programs, the Merovingian declared that Halborn's usefulness to him was at an end. Niobe led Zion operatives to a Scytherite installation where they detected a spike of override activity, and they found Scytherites and Cryptus there, as well as a decelerator program, which caused problems for Zionites and Scytherites alike, as well as for some Merovingian operatives seeking to cash in on the confusion. Cryptus departed, and the Zionites sealed off the area, but did not, as Niobe had hoped they might, find solid information on the link between the Scytherites and Halborn, which their joint presence at the scene of Commander Locke's transfer had led her to suspect. Agent Pace and machine operatives warned Halborn that his ship had probably been compromised by terrorists. Despite an attack by EPN operatives armed with code pulse devices, Halborn thought little of the warning saying that everyone could go to hell as far as he was concerned. Cypherites running checks on their computer systems found override programs at some locations. Pluribus Neo, using capture data, made their way to one of these installations as well, where a fight erupted between Cypherites, EPN, and override programs. The kid defeated the outnumbered Cryptus, and Pluribus Neo managed to gain temporary access to the Cypherite mainframe at the site. 
but they only had time to extract fragmentary data from it before the Cypherites finally secured the mainframe. Zionites found and fought Halborn in the historic district. Carline appeared on the scene and distributed instances of a special program to a group of the operatives, saying that if they could hit Halborn with it, it should be able to disable his broadcast signal at the source. The operative Corobus was able to bypass Halborn's defensive routines and strike him with the program. Halborn fell to the ground, inert. Carline said that it looked like the program had worked, although he'd have to check his data before he could be sure. Merovingian operatives accompanied by Biron tried to persuade Carline to remain in the simulation, entertaining him at Paradise Lost, but Carline, although apologetic, was adamant about having to depart, for various reasons, most of which he did not describe. Carline thanked Zion for their help, saying he was going to leave the Matrix now that Halborn can no longer jack in due to his ship having been disabled, and that he had to leave to take care of certain concerns one of which was ensuring that Halborn would not be able to return. Carline had a similar message for the machines, saying that he hoped there were no hard feelings. With the intruders and their override routines out of the picture, the machines mobilized their programs to begin fighting Zion once again. Cryptus theorized that the override routines had been able to operate by taking advantage of a fundamental vulnerability in the simulation. Having noticed that they had no controlling effect on his own RSI, which is partly machine code, he declared his intent to begin working on an algorithm capable of resisting the override programs. Using his own code as a starting point, the general reached the machine no-fly zone on the Earth's surface, northwest of the machine city, and encountered a heavily fortified facility. Unable to penetrate the facility's defenses, his sentinels found a data conduit nearby. Tapping into the data stream, they encountered unusual data protocols, only partially matching known machine formats. Merovingian operatives within the simulation forced their way into highly secured machine servers, and, after much effort, located a data type similar to what the General had found. Using this new information, the General's soldiers began decoding the foreign data feed, but their transmission was cut off just as they sent back a partially scrambled decoding identifying the data stream as part of a massive system labeled the Oligarch Network. Operatives encountered override programs on rooftops across the city, possibly remaining from a last-ditch effort by one of the intruders. The exile rose, having heard that the intruders had left, took a bold trip from her station in Southard to the heart of downtown with the help of a couple operatives. Ghost visited the site of Captain Suda's ambush and death at the hands of Cypherites in Widow's Moor. He discussed the possibility of larger motives or relationships behind the recent events surrounding Suda's death, including the actions of the intruders, and the attempted interception of Commander Locke by Cypherite and Machine Hovercraft. This discussion was interrupted by an archivist, who demanded that Ghost and the operatives with him leave the construct enforcing this command with a swarm of gargoyles. Zion operatives pursuing machine data technicians in the Datamine construct crossed paths with Captain Redder, apparently an officer in the security division of Supersymmetric Research, the company who had owned the artificial island. Redder rambled on about research, experiments, and bureaucracy while attempting to expel the trespassers. In a remarkable coincidence, with the departure of the intruders, massive parties. 
broke out in the simulation, with Merovingian operatives packing the Hell Club for a party hosted by L'Enfant's Terribles, and operatives from all organizations partying it up in Club Duality. Machine operatives were called in to deal with an exile sniper attacking pedestrians in Moral. Operatives worked to locate the sniper by posing as civilian targets. The taciturn agent Griffin was concerned that the way in which this was implemented gave the sniper an opportunity to escape, but nevertheless he was located and neutralized by operatives. Cryptus summoned Cypherite operatives to 01 for a test against programmatic enemies, including accelerated programs. Cryptus studied the combat sessions, and said that the information gathered would help him in his research into the override codes. Operatives encountered override programs on rooftops across the city, possibly remaining from a last-ditch effort by one of the intruders. An unidentified broadcast signal was briefly detected in Northeast Richland. Agent Gray asked operatives to report any further information found on the signal. Chapter 10.2, Ouroboros. Morza, who was freeborn and never had jacks, appears in the Matrix. He hops through unmarked hard lines, avoiding contact, saying to Zion only that he's working to win the war. The Merovingian seeds the storm between the Machine City and the No-Fly Zone in order to re-establish contact with the General. They find oligarch network data flowing into the Ouroboros Corporation in downtown. The machines nearly isolate Morza's signal, but are interrupted by the Morpheus Simulacrum. Morza steals data from the Merovingian, then disappears. Missile barrages devastate the general's forces in the no-fly zone, forcing him to retreat. EPN detects a small craft outbound from tunnels below the old city, heading north. Colt reported to Zion that his old crewmate at Morza, thought to have been killed rescuing Locke from the destruction of Zion, had been seen in the Matrix. This was doubly surprising since Morza never had jacks for entering the simulation. Zion picked up readings thought to be Morza at several hard lines, and at an internet cafe, but did not locate the man himself. With the departure of the intruders, the machines resumed anti-Zion operations in the Matrix, disabling their computer systems, and interrupting Kapertop awakenings. Some machine operatives, however, encountered a large Zionite force headed by Niobe, who stated Zion's determination to resist offensives by the system. Signals between the Matrix and the machine no-fly zone becoming too weak to maintain communication with the general, Merovingian operatives inserted a program designed by Malfas into blue pills around the city, with the intention of using the EG wiring and human energy fields of people in the pods to create a wide broadcast array, but the signal generated proved insufficient to reach the general. The machines sent operatives to delete a small group of override programs remaining in Zia. The operation was complicated by the unexpected presence of Zion Captain Niobe, enemy operatives, and nearby overridden agent programs. Cryptus led Cypherite operatives on an information-gathering mission against Zion's strongholds, hoping to find out more about the mysterious broadcast signal picked up earlier by Zion in Richland. No pertinent information was found, and the Cypherites discussed the possibility of Zion themselves lacking further data, and of recent occurrences suggestive of a larger conspiracy. Vale and her operatives infiltrated Zionite hovercraft to intercept a courier, capturing data, programs, and a copy of a message from Zion's counselor Dillard to Commander Roland, telling Roland that ex-Commander Jason Locke was not due to be reinstated. Merovingian operatives helped an operative named Media gather information from broadcast towers in downtown. The information was the final ingredient needed by Media's crew to set up a new, more powerful communication relay to the general on the Earth's surface. 
but on the verge of completing the station, the crew was wiped out by machine sentinels. Cole called for a sweep of hardlines across the city, hoping to find his old friend Morza, who still had not contacted Zion. Morza's signal was narrowed down to the vicinity of Mansdale, where he was eventually seen heading for a hardline, but when he spotted the operatives around the phone booth, he made a dash for a pay. Phone down the street, and vanished. Zion found that the line Morza had escaped through was part of an old, pre-truce Zion hardline network to which only certain operatives had been given access. Zion's current data on the network was incomplete, since some was lost when the machines sacked Zion's mainframe, and it was also suspected that some areas of the network had never been documented. After some difficulty in navigating the network, Zion operatives encountered Morza, who, before exiting along a spliced restricted line, said only that he was working to win the war. Machine operatives worked with law enforcement officials to investigate break-ins by the individual said to be Morza. Evidence of computer tampering was found, leading to the discovery of a backup log showing that one of the tampered computers had been used to connect to a remote system via network tunneling using an unknown, encrypted protocol. The Merovingian, needing to re-establish contact with the General, stranded on an investigative mission in the machine no-fly zone 800 miles northwest of the machine city, sent operatives to find a way to improve the communication link. Research indicated that cloud seeding of the mysterious, global storm, created early in the man-machine war by a human project called Operation Dark Storm, could possibly boost communication range through a weather phenomenon known as tropospheric ducting. Specially equipped commando sentinels were dispatched to begin the seeding operation along the route to the no-fly zone. Teresa Morton, a blue pill, helped Pluribus Neo locate a phone line on the old restricted network in downtown, near a terminal that had been hacked by Morza, and investigated by the machines. Zion operatives caused a distraction elsewhere in the city to keep the machines away from Pluribus Neo during the investigation, but when EPN tried accessing the line, security quickly appeared on the scene in large numbers. Morton was taken into machine custody. Machine operatives fought to protect mechanic programs as they modified hardlines in downtown to prevent access by Morse's unusual broadcast signal. Strong resistance from Pluribus Neo and Zion operatives forced the machines to send successive mechanic programs in order to complete the work. Soon afterwards, Pluribus Neo operatives hunted for possible unmarked hardlines around the city, particularly in downtown. Machine and some Merovingian operatives hindered the search, but it was hoped that the line location data gathered would lead to the mapping of more of the hidden network. Merovingian operatives seeking more information on the Dark Storm, with the goal of improving the tropospheric ducting project, located a program named Car ATN in 1-0. Car ATN, claiming to be a pre-war 01 assembly line worker, proved to have very limited data on the storm and its origin, but gave what may have been a uniquely first-hand perspective of machine attitudes at the time in which Operation Dark Storm was put into operation. Car ATN's reminiscence painted the picture of a peaceful machine population forced into war by human jealousy that they did not understand. Zion began the process of shutting down known sections of the old restricted access hardline system, now compromised by Morza, and possibly under threat of scrutiny by the machines. Progress along one of the branches came to a sudden halt when a decelerator program, one of the intruder overrides, appeared nearby, its command routine scrambling the line. The machines began investigating the restricted line system, using data captured from Zion's old mainframe, as well as intelligence gathered by spying on Zion operatives 
to determine that an unusual broadcast signal associated with the system, possibly Morse's matrix connection, was coming from the vicinity of Old Zion. With the tropospheric ducting effect of the cedar dark storm re-enabling communication with the general in the distant machine no-fly zone, the Merovingian started looking for machine links that would help unscramble complex data found in the strange network there. Data was obtained, but the general's comm link into the matrix was severed just after he relayed a report of an incoming missile attack on his forces, from an unknown source. Pluribus Neo helped the ex-Zion operative Grace work out some personal issues with her nemesis Jinjiro, leader of the Silver Dragon Gang, in exchange for whatever she could tell them about Zion's old restricted hardline network. Grace showed EPN the phone line in Furihata that was her appointed emergency exit when she worked there for Zion, but said that she had never used it, and that Zion had informed her that the system was being shut down when the truce with the machines went into effect. Merovingian operatives helped a commando program salvage flight data from the General's downed sentinels in the no-fly zone, retrieving the remains of their programs after these were returned to the Matrix by the commando, it was found that just before they were destroyed by missiles, some of the General's sentinels had detected a distant ship matching the profile of the craft used by the intruders, Carline and Halborn. Now able to access sections of the restricted line system, Zion operatives chased Morza through unmarked lines across the city. They caught up to him several times, but he did little to acknowledge them, uttering only one sentence in downtown, and ignoring his old crewmate, Colt, before vanishing through a phone near the Hell Club. The runtime program appeared where he had been standing, bringing overridden machine programs that attacked the assembled Zion operatives, and disabling the line Morza had used to escape. The machines captured Pluribus Neo scanning stations on the surface above Old Zion, and accessed their control interfaces inside the Matrix to begin using them to help pinpoint Morza's broadcast. But, much to the surprise of both the machines and Pluribus Neo, the scanning station network security systems, which had been disabled in the earlier machine attack at the surface, suddenly re-engaged forcing the machines to give up the attempt. Morse's course through Zion's old restricted line system ran through Merovingian territory, causing problems for the Zionites tracking him, and for the Merovingian and his exiles, who found themselves victims of the theft of the topographic data on the no-fly zone they had stolen earlier from the machines. The machines, encountering an unexpected error message when trying to capture, surface scan data from EPN computers, resort to the internet black market in order to obtain information on EPN's rescue of Jason Locke, in which Morza, according to Locke's account, had been involved. Locke's account contained noteworthy discrepancies, however, not the least of which was that Sentinels were supposed to have killed Morza, in spite of the fact that, according to the machines, they had no Sentinels in that area at the time. After obtaining a copy of flight data from the EPN ship that had picked up Locke from the ruined building on the Earth's surface where he said he had been hidden by Morza, the machines realized that the building was the same lab where, roughly nine months earlier, they had found and killed Danielle Wright, whose connection to Zion's mainframe had then become the key to the machine destruction of Zion's former city. Agent Grace suggested that Morza, a highly skilled technician, may have salvaged Wright's technology from the ruined lab, which could explain some of his surprising capabilities in the simulation.
Pluribus Neo, following up overheard police reports of a person matching Mauser's general description in Westview, ran into dedicated Morpheus follower Joshua Maston, who said that police may have had Mauser confused with the Morpheus simulacrum, whom he had just encountered in the area. A previously unknown operative contacted the faction Temet Nos, asking for help in reclaiming his former life from the program the machines had put in his place. His attempt to assassinate the program was brought to an abrupt end by Agent Griffin, who shot him dead, and explained to the operative whose cooperation he had hired, that the assassination target was a real blue pill, and that the would-be killer was in fact an exiled program. The Temet Nos operative was skeptical of the agent's spin on the story. Machinists helped guide a team of operatives on foot through the raging electrical storm at the Earth's surface, searching for the fugitive Mauser's broadcast location. The furious storm claimed victims among the surface team, but, guided by operatives analyzing the scans they returned of the area, they succeeded in locating a Zionite lightning gun firearm at the edge of a large chasm in the Earth's crust. Bukami and Merovingian operatives followed Mauser's erratic trail across downtown, fending off Mauser's former crewmate, Cole, who was also looking for the evasive former technician of the hammer. The Merovingians found Mauser just as he jacked out in a far corner of Preston Heights. Zion searched for whoever it was that was in Westview, Mauser or the Morpheus simulacrum, but found only an old disconnected phone line, cipherites, and a cryptic message on a mysterious computer. Pluribus Neo detected an unidentified small craft heading north from a deep tunnel location around Old Zion. Searching the tunnels, they found a recently used site strewn with pieces of sentinels and hovercraft. A terminal from one of the hovercraft was found to contain some data, which they set to work decoding. The machines located Mauser's RSI, and were moving to lock his signal, when the Morpheus signal appeared in their scan control room, disrupting the procedure. By the time they could reinitialize the process, Mauser was nowhere to be found. The general, returning from the machine no-fly zone, sent back all of the data he had pulled from the mysterious network line found there. The data was found to contain circa 1999 traditional human network headers. These were tracked by Merovingian operatives to a private corporate provider, where they were ambushed by security guards from the Ouroboros Corporation. A blue pill named Gerald Croydon complained bitterly about the difficulties of moving and coming back to the city, but persevered to attend his son's high school graduation. Merovingian operatives pumped their Boris tour guide Judy Layler for information in Club Giannis in her off hours. Judy, who leads tours in Ouroboros corporate headquarters in Creston Heights, indulged in a number of drinks, and seemed unhappy about her job, calling it boring and restrictive. She said that the things she had to tell tour guests about the corporation were just silly lies, that no real work was done there, and that nobody ever told her anything. Cypherites found the Morpheus simulacrum in a church in Westview. The simulacrum admitted that it had intended to be disruptive in its sudden return, and made mention of the difficulty of achieving peace. The simulacrum directed the operatives to a nearby construction yard, where they found Pluribus Neo operatives in the act of using code pulse devices. The cypherites eliminated the operatives and defused the devices. Pluribus Neo shut down the Matrix interfaces to their scanning equipment around Zion's old city, after finding the machines attempting to hack into the interfaces once again. Shimada said that from now on they would have to rely on indirect communication with the scanning arrays in the real. Machinists tracked down a dangerous escape Lupin, Fog, and eliminated him. 
Their exile informant, Rosaline, startled by the sudden approach of one of the twins, was killed by the trigger-happy machine operative Blazin Wolf. Ghost and Zion operatives stopped the machine attempt to hack a previously undiscovered section of Zion's old restricted access hardline system in Part East. The effectuator was caught by operatives while trying to gather information at called Chemical Engineering in Ketamuth, called herself appeared on the rooftop, warning the group of operatives to disperse. A strong security force appeared on the scene shortly thereafter. A small group of operatives found Persephone musing at an old bookshelf in a hidden study in the chateau. A conversation about the nature of love followed, and Persephone invited operatives to write down their own love stories to share with others. Operatives found Ghost standing quietly in Deber Court, near the bench where the oracle was killed. Ghost and the operatives talked about the war and the views of the opposing sides. Ghost remarked upon machine insistence on remaining emotionless, and wondered if humans had reason to fear that machines might become better at feeling emotions than humans, whom they have already surpassed in industry and science. Disguised cypherites infiltrated a party held by the Merovingian at the Hell Club. The operatives, in the guise of exiles, attempted to get the Frenchman to talk about his ambitions in investigating the Ouroboros Corporation, but his replies were lighthearted and insubstantial. Bukami appeared, examined several of the cypherites, and unleashed an attack of lupins that drove the operatives out of the club. Chapter 10.3 Checks and Balances Cypherites find the Merovingian hacking into Ouroboros. Cryptus captures some of the oligarch data to assist his research. EPN discover data on the no-fly zone left behind at the small craft's launch site, and begin to prepare ships of their own to investigate. Machines try to get the Merovingian out of Ouroboros, concerned that trouble there will bring more oligarchs into the Matrix. Right research sues Penthest Amaranth for a break-in by Mauser. Pentest Amaranth's Brenda Utley helps Zion get information about Mauser's activities, but Seraph appears, and asks them to stop. The Merovingian finds the biological interface program inside Ouroboros network. Deciphering a cryptic message found while searching Westview several weeks earlier led Zion operatives to the Kamen Heights exile, Silver, who had already taken the precaution of going into hiding. When checking up on Silver's old business partner, Wright Research, the operatives heard of a break-in attempt at Wright weeks earlier by an individual matching Mauser's description. Machine operatives took care of problems caused by EPN and Zion operatives, and asked a Kapetop meteorologist for an intuitive analysis of the heightened storm in the rail. The meteorologist's opinion was that the storm activity could last for some time, possibly growing west. After hearing the report of these various operations, Agent Gray said that the most efficacious course of action at present would be putting a stop to the Merovingian's disruptive activities. Merovingian operatives kidnapped an Ouroboros network manager, delivering him to exiles for interrogation on means of accessing the company's secured data. They also found that they had been observed by a cypherite spy during the course of this operation. Operatives delivered data to the effectuator in Ashencott, where they encountered resistance by EPN forces. The transfer was completed, although EPN obtained another set of data that had been hidden nearby. Nayab led a small group of Zion operatives into the Merovingian's chateau, 
looking for clues about what he was after at Ouroboros. Meanwhile, other Zion operatives sought to distract the Merovingian's attention by battling security forces outside his Hell Club. This battle grew quickly due to an unexpected attack by Cypherite operatives. Nyob and her team were located and chased from the chateau by a twin and powerful exile guards, but not before they confiscated some data. Disguised Cypherite operatives snuck into Ouroboros, seeking to capture a sample of the oligarch data said to be feeding into hidden computer systems there. During their search, they crossed paths with Merovingian exiles, possibly pursuing a similar goal. The Cypherites overcame the exiles and Ouroboros security forces long enough to extract some of the foreign data. The Merovingian, annoyed by Cypherite interference, tracked down the Cypherite leader, Cryptus, and warned him against further disruptions. Cryptus said that he had wanted to obtain the oligarch data sample from Ouroboros in order to advance his research into developing a counter-agent to the override codes used by the intruders. E Pluribus Nia used information obtained from exiles, including a scheme captured from a machine mainframe, to decrypt the file they had recovered from a hovercraft terminal found among bits and pieces of dismantled hardware in a maintenance tunnel near Old Zion. They found that the file contained a topographic map of the no-fly zone established by the machines far to the northwest of the machine city the same area to which the Merovingian had recently dispatched the general and his sentinels. In light of this coincidence, Shimada said that it was time EPN looked into the area themselves. Zion found nothing but hostile guards at the right research facility Mazar appeared to have raided weeks earlier. Shortly thereafter, Penthurst Amaranth chairwoman Brenda Utley contacted Zion, and revealed that Wright Research was threatening to sue her company. Wright alleged that Mauser broke into their office at Penthurst Amaranth's behest. Basing this on claims of connections between Mauser and Zion, and between Zion and Penthurst Amaranth, dating back to the Unlimit affair, Cypherites contacted the machines, confirming Merovingian raids on the Ouroboros Corporation, intended to retrieve information related to the intruders. The machines located Merovingian forces attacking an Ouroboros office and repelled them, taking care not to harm the corporate guards at the site. Gray noted that Ouroboros had failed to notify the proper authorities of the attack by the Merovingian. Merovingian operatives kidnapped an Ouroboros network manager, obtaining a list of Ouroboros network passwords from the information he supplied. They began putting the passwords to use, infiltrating Ouroboros systems, but encountered resistance from the machines. Zionites assisted Brenda Utley at a court-appointed hearing, attempting to resolve the right PA dispute. Although Utley and Zion strongly maintained their position that they had nothing to do with any action by Mauser, Wright Research's representative insisted that Wright had information to the contrary, and said that they would continue to press their claim. An Ouroboros security guard attempted to kick Merovingian operatives out of a parking lot in Lamone. The guard put up a tough fight, and had hopes of being promoted to an easy job in network security, but operative reinforcements put an end to his hopes of landing a dream job. 
Machine operatives investigating the disappearance of a SWAT unit encountered and pursued the twins across downtown, tracking them all the way to an Ouroboros complex, where the twins were at work cutting through the company's guards. Machine operatives joined in the security melee around the twins, who departed without much delay. The operatives were then quickly recalled by Agent Gray, who said that it was extremely important that the machines avoid engaging Ouroboros security forces, as this could result in an alert being sent back to the real power behind Ouroboros, the oligarchs. Flood and Merovingian operatives disguised as agents attempted to use their assumed federal authority to enter an Ouroboros lab, with the aim of confiscating valuable data. They were surprised when the Ouroboros guard at the site stated that their federal jurisdiction did not apply at the company's facility. A battle ensued, and although the operatives eliminated the guard, reinforcements eventually forced the operatives to join Flood in choosing discretion over valor. A safe distance away, Flood pointed out that machine authority was evidently worthless when it came to dealing with Ouroboros. Brenda Utley, saying that her company, Pendhurst Amaranth, was getting too much legal heat from Wright Research over an alleged break-in by Mauser, which Wright blamed on PA. Asked Zion to search for clues about Mauser's activity at the Ouroboros Corporation, rather than at Wright Research. Utley put Zion in touch with an informant inside Ouroboros, where, after speaking with an Ouroboros security guard, Zion operatives found that a security incident at that company four weeks ago, about the time of Mauser's last known activity in the Matrix, was a hack attempt that came over the internet, cutting right through the Ouroboros corporate firewall. Zion captured the firewall server's log of the incident which showed that data transferred in and out of the company's network during the attack used an encryption scheme bearing a resemblance to the encryption Danielle Wright used for Zion's revamped Red Pill program. This suggested that Mauser, or whoever was behind the attack, may have been using stolen Wright technology to hack into Ouroboros. The machine stated that they've known Ouroboros as a front for the oligarchs, a group whose number includes the two powerful intruders, Halborn and Carline, who recently caused so many problems in the Matrix with their override codes. Agent Gray emphasized that trouble at Ouroboros could cause a security alert to bring oligarch attention back into the Matrix, raising the specter of another wave of overrides disrupting the simulation. To prevent this possibility, machine operatives attempted to set up a system inside Ouroboros network that would redirect any communications being sent out into the real, but had to abandon the project when powerful override programs appeared, disrupting the communication programs. Merovingian operatives armed with captured passwords continued their exploration of Ouroboros computer network. They encountered resistance from Ouroboros security and machines, but a distinct lack of cooperation between those two forces somewhat alleviated the problem. Noting this, the Merovingian dispatched an operative to Ouroboros executives with a letter detailing machine and cipherite tampering attempts at Ouroboros. Brenda Utley helped Zion operatives discover the name of a network engineer at Ouroboros, Sheldon Brewer, said to have access to a virtual map of the company's internal network. Cypherite operatives impersonated tourists on a site visit to a large Ouroboros office building, while operative Marias snuck past guards on the upper floors and killed Ouroboros security officer Matthews. Vale hinted that Matthews had been in charge of sending out a security report. 
Machine operatives located and eliminated an exiled hacker, C0WB0Y, who Agent Gray said was responsible for generating civilian currency inside the simulation in such vast amounts that it could destabilize the population's economy. Operatives began working with Officer Vogue to track down and confiscate all of C0WB0Y's hacked funds, which had been concealed in various investments. Merovingian operatives seeking to distract public attention from their own target, Ouroboros, got help from Gang Leader 7 in creating a scandalous scene at the Wright Research Office, where they also obtained security passcodes. Using the codes, the operatives broke into Wright Research Headquarters, wrecking mainframes and leaving hacker programs designed to look as though they had come from rival corporation Penthurst Amaranth. Zion found that the Ouroboros employee with access to a map of that corporation's network, Sheldon Brewer, was an unassuming technician with the network data surgically implanted in his physical, pod-housed brain. This made obtaining the information difficult, but the red pill trace program and coordination with the hovercraft overcame the obstacle. Wright Research declared their intention to go ahead with their lawsuit against Penthurst Amaranth, claiming that they had security camera footage of Mauser breaking into their facility, as well as other information demonstrating his ties to Zion, and Zion's close relationship with Penthurst Amaranth. Machine operatives delivered a subpoena to Penthurst Amaranth chairwoman Brenda Utley, requiring her to appear in federal court to answer questions about the case. Merovingian operatives ran into a puzzling speed bump in their infiltration of the Ouroboros network, a missing connection between two active network sections. Attempts to study and locate the absent connection failed, and even the effectuator became discomfited by the baffling problem. Setting it aside for the time, investigation continued along the rest of the network line, returning reams of financial data. The machines obtained operative help in questioning Brenda Utley about her company's involvement with Mauser and Zion. The PA chairwoman emerged from a barrage of questions and warnings apparently unfazed. Agent Pace, backed up by an operative, caught up with Ms. Utley in downtown, delivering a warning that if Utley's company continued to associate with Zion, it was possible that they could subject it to a time-consuming federal audit. A Zion operative, negligible, made off with data Cryptus was using for his research into countering intruder override codes, making declarations to the effect that the Cypherites couldn't be trusted to use such information selflessly. Pursuing Cypherites managed to catch negligible, and recover the data. A disoriented Sheldon Brewer stumbled out of an apartment building in the slums, questioning nearby machine operatives about the time and location. Brewer did not understand how he had gotten there, and grew concerned that he would be late for work, although he couldn't quite remember where his office was. An Ouroboros security officer appeared, curtly dismissed the machine operatives, and took the confused Brewer back into the building. EPN operatives, with the help of the network map obtained by Zion, located the Ouroboros security server holding the record of activity on the company's network during the widespread hacking incident weeks earlier, attributed to Mauser. After overcoming heavy security at the site, the EPN operatives obtained a full log of the hacking incident, complete with the network addresses of the specific Ouroboros computers the attacker had targeted. The effectuator dragged Merovingian operatives back to the missing Ouroboros network link, taking another crack at solving the mystery. The search for information seemed fruitless until frustration grew among the search team, at which point network activity readings began to appear. Through experimentation, the team found that displays of emotion caused the readings to grow stronger. 
furious emoting ensued, sparking a surprise outbreak of accelerated Ouroboros security guards. These were defeated, but the team wasn't able to get a lock on the network link until Persephone arrived to assist in their performance. Using network addresses from a captured log of the hacking incident that Ouroboros attributed to Mauser, Zion operatives located data on an Ouroboros computer that referred to what may have been a location on the surface of the Earth, with information about power ratings and network links. This data display was suddenly cut off, and Seraph appeared, asking Zion to stop investigating the data, as their investigation could be harmful. Niobe was not happy about the interruption, but admitted that she still trusts Seraph. Machines listened in on Ouroboros security transmissions to facilitate their pursuit of Merovingian forces attacking the company's network, where machine operatives encountered evidence of violent clashes, as well as a powerful decelerator override program. The transmissions and activity ceased when the operatives ran into Seraph, who warned them that their search must end. Merovingian operatives overcame numerous obstacles, some with surprising ease, to find a computer terminal surrounded by powerful override programs and Ouroboros security teams. A heavy firewall protected the terminal, but penetrating it took less time than expected, and the triumphant operatives returned to a gleeful Merovingian with an incredible find, the biological interface program sought by the intruder Halborn. The kid and other EPN operatives battled Cypherites who had ambushed the courier transporting red pills. The operatives defeated the Cypherite leader, Satiate, and recaptured some of the pills, but the kid found evidence that the pills had been tampered with, and a foreign program inserted into their carriers. Zion operatives decided to visit the called campus in Kedemoth, to ask Paul to help Zion ally Brenda Utley and her company Penthurst Amaranth, which is dogged by a machine-supported lawsuit from rival Wright Research. Colt's receptionist had some trouble contacting Colt at the operative's request, and while they waited, an agent arrived, asking them to leave the building. Most of the operatives did not cooperate with the request, and the agent called in SWAT teams to disperse the crowd. While this met with some success, the machine forces were eventually defeated by the Zionite teams. By this time, the receptionist had departed, and operatives were left wondering if it would still be possible to contact Paul. After a long day of business involving her husband Mr. Black, the Merovingian, and the Ouroboros Corporation, Dame White went to Clubhouse to relax, escorted by her watchful, silent bodyguard, Ebony. The Dame ran across operatives at the club. Running a Fight Club contest on the club's trendy whips and chains upper floor, the frosty dame seemed amused by the energetic exhibition put on by the operatives. Okami encouraged Merovingian operatives to get in some practice by joining her in a street brawl with enemy operatives in Tabor Park, where many important lessons were learned. The effectuator threw a biological interface party at the Sanguine Room, whose itinerary included the wide distribution of heady cold snacks, Okami and Malfast costume contests, and an exhausting battle against colorful ninja, all under the club's intense purple and white spotlights. Vale and Cypherite operatives raided a warehouse in Kamen used by Zion to store red pills. The Cypherites defeated the Zionites in the building and set fire to the pill containers, but then had to scramble to rescue blue pill workers who had unexpectedly lingered in the building's basement, while fending off a spirited Zionite counter attack. The youngest member of the powerful Spectrum family of exiles, the Southard Mission Contact Rose, went on a shopping spree after using a hack to access the operative marketplace from a hardline in Uriel. 
Operatives in the area provided helpful fashion tips and accessories. Lurking around Mara, Biron pondered the implications of the Merovingian's possession of the biological interface program. The Exxon Limit expressed concern that the hunger of the powerful intruders for the program would lead to unpleasant changes in the Matrix. A member of the Archivist Society invited operatives to a recreation of the original Sleepwalker Spotlight attack in the Sadie's Playground Archive construct, and a review of the powerful Sleepwalker security team who led the defense of the spotlights. The kid contacted several operatives to make sure they knew about an upcoming EPN expedition to the machine no-fly zone, and then helped them fight off attacks by hostile operatives.